is up, everybody? We're back with another episode of Roll the Dice Podcast. I'm Zach Hotmare, and today I'm with Albert Caskill, Joey Glickman, and special guest star Joey Spathis. Joey Spathis, thank you for being here. Tell us a little about yourself, Joe. Hey, uh, happy to be uh, happy to be here, ready to roll the dice with everybody. Um, I'm uh, entering my senior year at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, that's where I'm stationed right now. I'm studying sports management, sports media, love the podcast game. Um, and just, uh, you know, happy to, uh, excited to be here and to contribute. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Joey, then I'll kick it over to you first. So what are your thoughts on NFL free agency so far? We've had a lot of ups and downs with Corona, but free agency still going on virtual off season. What are we thinking? What do you, what are you thinking about, uh, how the free agency has gone so far? Um, well, the off season in general, I think has been just interesting as well as a lot of other things in sports. Obviously the biggest story is the Buccaneers. Um, personally, I'm not, I'm not jumping on the train. I know that they've gotten Rob Gronkowski out of retirement, Tom Brady. I like the Tristan Wirfs pick, but I mean, the defense was good. Shaq Barrett had a tremendous season last year, but I'm just not sure that Brady's arm fits into that system that Bruce Arians deep ball system so I'm not jumping on the train reminds me a little bit of the Browns uh last season do love what the uh 49ers have done uh had to deal DeForest Buckner to save some cap space but replace him with Javon Kinlaw love that move um yeah as well as adding Trent Williams who I think is an elite tackle was obviously disgruntled the one in Washington, so that's a good pickup for them. But also, like, uh, I've got a lot of questions right now. I'm wondering what's going to happen with uh, Jadavian Clowney. I'm wondering what could happen with Antonio Brown. That name's being floated around a lot. A um, couple more winners and losers. I think the Browns have had an excellent offseason. Love the Conklin uh, addition as well as Austin Hooper. And uh, Wills in the first round was a good pick. I do not like what the Bears have done so far. Don't love it, but uh, we'll see. I, I was I was hoping that they might have added uh, a lineman in one of the first two rounds, but but we'll see what we'll see how that works out for them. What do you guys think? Well, I couldn't agree more on the Bears. I mean, I don't understand why we're paying a washed up Jimmy Graham to be a top ten, top ten paid NFL, I mean, top tight end paid in the NFL. It makes zero sense. He hasn't had a uh, position grade over 60 in the last two seasons and like Robert Quinn he's a good football player but you also you have his position position grade which is 68.5 last year he's getting he's getting the same money as Daniel Hunter Carlos Dunlap and Brandon Graham who are all in the 80s he's I mean we're paying him way too much it's gonna open it up for Cleo Mack and also I don't get the Nick Foles signing at all it's just so underwhelming it's like there's so many big names he could have gone for a quarterback and I I don't think the Nick Foles signing helps anything. And then I think the biggest loser of free agency for sure, for sure is the uh, the Texans. I mean, they haven't done really much, but that might have been the worst trade I've ever seen. It just makes Terrible. zero sense. I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And, I mean, David Johnson hasn't been good in a while. It, it was just I, – I, there's no words to explain how bad of a trade that was. Yeah, I, I mean, I somewhat agree with you, but I also disagree with you on the Bears offseason. I mean, 
I don't know why they signed Jimmy Graham and Jimmy Graham. I mean, and yeah, Jimmy Graham and drafted Cole Komet. Um, Cole Komet is going to be a big option in the Bears' offense this year. I think. I think he's going to stand out a lot in the Bears' offense. Um, Ted Ginn, who's fast, very fast. I feel like he's going to make a big impact, and I feel like they upgraded a lot on the offensive side with. Uh, Getting a little little bit of offensive line help, drafting in the uh, seventh round to O-lineman. But besides that, probably a loser would probably be Packers. That I'm trying to be uh, non-biased, but um, they, they, really, they really haven't added what they needed. They got rid of a lot of guys. No one, they didn't really sign anyone, but um, I feel like, same with Antonio Brown, I feel like Seattle might pick him up, but I could be wrong. But I feel like Russell Wilson has floated some rumors around that Antonio Brown might be coming to Seattle. Pop, what do you think? Um, well, I disagree with you on the Bears offseason, Joey. I think that the Bears were huge losers. I think that the Chicago Bears really did not do anything besides pick up some gimmicky players. Jimmy Graham, yeah, he was really dynamic in New Orleans, slightly less dynamic in Seattle. He goes to Green Bay. I mean, Mercedes Lewis was a more viable option than him on offense. So I really don't see any reason to pick up Jimmy Graham. And then Ted Ginn, Okay, he's fast. We get it. You've seen him bounce around a bunch of teams. You've seen him be good in some of his stops, but you've also seen him be good where there's a substantiated system where you have a Drew Brees throwing to him and you have him going up against a slot cornerback who really isn't that good. So I think that you have to look at it and you see the Bears made some signings that are very questionable. They had a draft that I absolutely hated. There is no reason that you should have 10 tight ends on a team. I mean, that's just, I, I, I can't believe I've ever had to say that, but there are 10 tight ends on the Chicago Bears and the one that we're all celebrating, we have one who's washed up and the other one from St. Viator. I mean, who's the last good guy to came, come out of there? We don't know what's going on with Cole Komet. And then big winners, big winners, I got to agree with Joey Spathis on the Cleveland Browns. I think that everyone forgets the fact that they have, when Kareem Hunt is at his best, two top, 12 running backs in the league. I think that Nick Chubb is dynamic. I think that their offseason, that Jack Conklin trade, they're going to move, uh, I believe, Jedrick Wills over to left tackle, let Conklin play at right tackle. I think that they got two bookend tackles over there. They're really they're set up for a great, great season. Odell Beckham Jr., probably the most dynamic receiver in the league, can do anything. Jarvis Landry, basically the same guy. You got David Njoku coming off an injury. He's got a lot to prove. I think that's going to go well for him. I think overall, the Cleveland Browns, big winners. I think that Andrew Barry, the GM, Kevin Stefanski coming in at head coach. I think that those two guys are really, really important. I think that they've been around the block. They know exactly what to do. I think that the Browns are poised for a great, great season. And then just to pivot a little bit, let's go over to the MLB. So first, I'm going to ask Joey Spathis. So what are you thinking with all this recent news? How realistic do you think it is that the MLB could be playing as soon as early July? Yeah, I don't think it looks good for the MLB right now, uh, unless the owners are willing to take a bigger portion of the, you know, a bigger loss on this. Uh, just the prorated salary and the salary scale ranging from, you know, 50% all the way up to 77%. It's just... Uh, it's not going to work for the players. And uh, at the end of the day, I just don't think that the league is going to get it done unless uh, something major happens. 
I'm uh, I'm our, optimistic. Our... I'm optimistic that they're going to get something done. I, I would. I, it looks like hockey and basketball are going to come back. I'd find it hard to see just baseball the one sport that doesn't, but it, it looks bad. I mean, the I think the proposals have been awful from the owners. It, they agreed on a 50-50 split a couple months ago, and now they're just going back on their word, and it's it's understandable for the players to be upset with that. I mean, like, you look at a guy who should be making $35 million is going to make, I think it was seven, and then a guy who's making a million makes 400000 I understand the money's more valuable to someone who's only making a million in the MLB, but I, I, I wouldn't expect the top players to agree to anything close to that. Um, I, I'm I'm optimistic a little bit too. I'd give it probably an eighty percent chance to get this deal done within the next ten days. I mean, they got to get it done soon. But I feel like the players are not getting what they want. Scott Boris said today, you know, don't bail, don't bail the owners out, don't bail the owners out. I feel like, I mean, three million dollars is still a ton of money if you're. I think you're making like 18 mil. You get like three mil back with, the pro, with all the prorated salary stuff. But I feel like they're, I think they're going to get a deal done within the next 10 days. But it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I feel like. Well, it's at the end of the day, it's really it's like completely understandable for someone who's already who's making 35 million. Like they're obviously already already loaded. They're going to be like perfectly fine long term. Like I get why they wouldn't want to play for this. Like, yeah, I, I get. I, I get why I get where the Scherzer wouldn't want to play. It makes sense. Like, if they see their health as a risk, like it's really not worth it to them. I get where they're coming from, but I feel like there's, it. it I don't know. It's 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 crazy. They're, it's they're they're gonna lose so much money if they don't have a season, and just in general, they're gonna lose a lot of money. But if they don't have a season, the NHL is probably gonna play. The NBA is gonna probably play. The NFL is probably gonna play. And the NHL and NBA are going to play in the primetime season of the MLB, and that's going to lose a lot of fans for the MLB. I just think it's a bad look for the MLB to have a bunch of millionaires fighting about money, and and if it's going to – I think it will anger the fans if that's going to stop play from happening. 100% agree on that. 100% agree. I think that what I was going to say, Joey, I agree with you on that, is that – and same what Albert was saying, is that – I think that this shows how much power the players have. I think that this shows how important this players union is and how important it is that there is, I mean, this collective bargaining stuff that was happening in the NFL in this big conflict, it's happening in other sports too. And we're seeing it where there's a huge disconnect between the wants and the well-being of the players and of the owners. The owners really aren't risking their health. So I think that the owners really, they need to, there, there needs to be a wake up call. I think that they need to recognize the fact that they just do not have enough leverage to take away 80% of, let's say, Garrett Cole's salary. There is absolutely no reason that he should be getting losing 80% to play a game where who knows, what if Garrett Cole has to get Tommy John? Now Garrett Cole's working on a, on 20% of his original salary now has to deal with surgery and now has to deal with all this stuff. And we're dealing with the fact that they can't even, that they can't even agree on an economic deal. I think that Mike Greenberg of ESPN said this really well, that the MLB will lose a lot, a lot of fans if they are arguing over money. I think that 
there is going to be a huge problem where they're going to see the MLB as being greedy. I think that the MLB is going, I think pace of play is not going to be their biggest worry anymore. I think it's going to be the fact that now everyone sees the MLB as shallow. The MLB is conceited and the MLB really doesn't have the best interest of the fans at heart. Joey Glickman, what do you think about that? Um, no, I just wanted to say that the MLB, the MLBPA is proposing a new deal to the owners in the MLB. I think it's it was a hundred games, at least a hundred games schedule, so they get paid more, and um, they're getting a prorated salary. So it's gonna, it's it's, it, it's gonna be confusing. To it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna hurt one end, no matter what, either the owners or the players. At the end of the day, I just don't know who it's gonna be. Yeah, I agree with you, Joey. And then, so let's move on. We've talked about MLB. We've gone to the NFL. Now let's head over to the NHL, the boys on the ice. And I wanted to say, as we introduce this topic, I can't believe that the Chicago Blackhawks, with this sorry-ass team, are going to be in the playoffs. Joey Spathis, what are we thinking about this NHL return to play and the Blackhawks being in a 24-team playoff? Well, I love the new playoff structure. I think it'll be awesome to watch. And, uh, you know, anything could happen in the NHL playoffs more so than anything. One of the craziest playoff formats. Um, and obviously, it's I don't think it's likely, but the Blackhawks are definitely a team I wouldn't want to play. I got a lot of playoff experience, as we know, and a lot of grinders. And uh, who knows? Who knows who could get hot at the right moment? Agreed. Albert, what are we thinking? Uh, I mean... We're all biased here, but it's not really fair to say we have a serious chance to make a run for the Cup. Like, we're plus 7,000 to win the Stanley Cup. It's not going to happen. But, I mean, I think all we're hoping for in Chicago is kind of just to win a series. I mean, at the end of the day, we just want playoff hockey. So I think we're happy already. Um, Long term, this might not be the best thing for the Hawks now that we don't have a shot at the lottery. But, I mean, we haven't seen playoff hockey in four years. It's like, I I just want to see these guys playing some meaningful games. I think I genuinely think we have a, a decent shot at the Oilers. After that, yeah, I, Glickman, Glickman, what I, do you think? I, I mean, I I kind of disagree with you, Albert. I think they can totally make a run. You've all you've all seen that little sneaky twelve seed in March Madness make that little run. You know, I think the Hawks could be that team with you know Keith Crawford, Taze Kane. They got a ton of experience in the playoffs, more than Edmonton, and Edmonton only has. Two players in Drysaddle and McDavid. They have literally no one else. Nugent Their Hopkins. goaltending, Nugent Hopkins. He's. I mean, he's. I would list him as a bust. I mean, he's a first overall. I mean, Drysaddle and McDavid are unbelievable. They're better they're than the Blackhawks. But they're Kane and two, they're, now they are, but they're 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 two players out of eighteen skaters. It's. I feel like they have a legit chance at a neutral site. I feel like they can pull out a definite upset and they got the, the Hawks have the edge and the experience. I mean, they've won three cups, Kane, Taze, Crow, Keith, Crow's only won two cups, but I feel like they have a legit chance to make a run at it. Joey, Joey, I need, I need to do this to you again. You're making me do this to you again. We got to stop living in this hypothetical world 
of the fact that a 31-year-old John Patrick Kane and a 31-year-old Jonathan Taze are going to somehow carry with all the firepower in the Western Conference alone, I think that the Blackhawks have a minimal chance. Obviously, you can't dismiss experience, but the Blackhawks are just nowhere near as skilled as these other teams. I think McDavid's probably the best player in the league, and I don't think that Kane and Taze are – I don't think Kane's top 10 right now. I think Kane's, oh, Kane's a little top older. 10. Kane's top 10. I, I'm yeah. telling you that I think that right now that to say that the Blackhawks have more than a sliver of hope in this, I think that it's I think that it's a little biased and I think it's it's a little whimsical in the fact that the Blackhawks are just not as skilled. The Blackhawks are just they, they do not have enough firepower to compete with teams. And if they were to get to the Stanley Cup playoff and they in the finals and they face the Capitals, the Capitals, the Bruins, these teams are just so much better than they are. These teams would blow them out of the rink. These teams are, it's not even close. And I think that the Blackhawks, I think that we're living in the past a little bit with the Hawks. I think the Hawks, they need to rebuild. I think that this is mm-hmm. unfortunate that we're not going to be able to be in the lottery, but I just don't think the Blackhawks have what it takes to really make anything happen. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, our chances are slim. We're, we're going to be facing better uh, competition every round, but like, Playoff Kane's a different animal. Exactly. Like he's thirty-one he, years old. He's still a no, top, but you, he's you still probably you, you a top still, five player in the NHL. You still have Kane. Best of five. Best of five series. Anything can happen with Kane. Kane can light it up. Do you see? Do, do you see that article with the N, the NHLPA declined a best of three series just because of Kane? How he would just light it up in a best of three series because anything can happen. Patrick Kane is determining the entire playoff structure. He could. I mean, no, he, yeah. he, no look it up. They were he voting did. against that. I mean, it makes sense. Why would you want to play Carey Price in a th- best out of three series? Like, you just don't know. Kane, it's Kane is the. I mean, he's he's still he's he's thirty, but he still he still has it. He can still produce as well as he did in his mid twenties. Tay's another story, but. I mean, come I mean, on, I man. doubt him. I doubt him for the reason. And I, and I, I mean, it's going to make me public enemy number one to doubt Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks. But here's the deal is that to say that Kane is like above this idea of like father time remains undefeated. That's a quote. I'm going to use it here. Brent Seabrook looks like he should be playing in a beer league. Seabrook's Brent Seabrook hurt. can play off. He's hurt. What? Brent Seabrook, all right, that act, that that benefits the Hawks. Then that's good. That shows you how much yeah. I know. Our defense Hawks. sucks. Like it's like Keith. Here's and, the like, deal. Boquist, like. Kane is it? McDavid and Drysidle are McDavid's the best player in the league, and Connor McDavid is going to do what he wants to do against this Hawks defense, and it's going to be whether Kane and Taze, these aging stars, can keep them close enough because there's going to be a shootout. In no pun intended, but there, no here's the deal: is that. I'm not talking I'm talking about a different shootout, Albert. I'm talking about the fact that Drysidle and McDavid are unbelievable. They are they are they are two players that I do not want to face in playoff hockey, and they are two guys that just really scare me. And I mean, I think that the Hawks would have a better chance going up against a different team, but the, the these Oilers, they're very, very good. And I think that that shows based off the Hawks are the twelve seed and they're the five seed. I mean, I mean we beat that, um, go on. We beat them twice. We beat them two out of three times in the regular season. They're a better team. I'm not going to argue that. But we all saw last year with the Lightning and the uh, Blue Jackets. I mean, the, the Lightning were just by far the best team in the NHL. No one would have doubted it. And they got swept yeah. in the first round. Like, you really don't know. 
or anything like that. I don't know. I, I think that it, I think that it's really hard, and I think well, that uh, yeah. I, Joey, what do you think? No, I, I mean I somewhat agree with you, Zach. With you know, I feel I, the defense is their weakness by far. But if you were to have Seabrook on the on the blue line, he would get walked every time by McDavid. Every time he their their defense is very old. That's the only thing that would stop them from winning. But you know That's the a Hawks. Big thing, you Joey. Said, yeah, I know that. I know that. But you said earlier, you know, they should rebuild. They should rebuild. They 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 really shouldn't rebuild. They still have a decent amount of years out of Kane and Taze, and they have DeBrinket, Strom, Kirby Doc, Adam Boquist. They got all these guys that are ready to produce, and they're young, and they're ready to win. All right. I mean, I think that all this hockey talk, I mean, I love talking about it. I love talking about the Hawks. But uh, we're going to go back to the diamond. We're going to go back to talking about the MLB. And it feels like there should be baseball on. So us here at we here at Roll the Dice have started our own list of the top 10 players. So Joey Glickman, our member, our analyst, has decided to make this list. And we are going to be analyzing the 10th and 9th best player on his list. So first, at number 10, we have Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. Joey Spathis, what do you think? Juan Soto, top 10? Um, I think it might be a little early for top 10. Uh, it's tough, but he's definitely a great player with a ton of upside. Came on during the playoffs last year. Um, I love his game, too. It's for average, it's for power, gets on base, doesn't strike out a ton, uh, could get a little better in the field. I just don't know if I'm ready to put him top 10 in the league yet, but I, it wouldn't shock me if he was there in the next year or two. Albert, what do we think? I There's no chance he's top 10. I'm sorry. Like He had an epic, epic playoff run. He's been great, but there's still guys like Justin Verlander, like Max Scherzer, who like you just don't think about when you're oh, ranking yeah. this, like Francisco Lindor, like there are so many names that you you don't even think about. Arenado, like these guys are all top ten. There's only so many spots. Like Juan Soto, at the end of the day, is just not as good as some of them. I could just I could list off a bunch of players. Like you're obviously gonna go probably it's obviously Trout, and then you can go Yelich, Bellinger, whatever you want. Mookie's up there, Bregman's up there, Rendon, Garrett Cole, Degrom, Arenado. Lindor, Acuna is almost well, that up there. That bounces him right outside the top Judge. 10. Joey, yeah, I agree. Aaron Judge definitely up there. I'm a little biased on that. But Joey Glickman, as the creator of the list, defend your number 10 player. Let's hear it. Why Juan Soto? I think Juan Soto is an absolute superstar. How he produced at his age, 20 years old. My sister's 20 years old. And to have a ki- uh, kid that's 20 years old producing like that in an MLB postseason – is incredible the way he intimidates those pitchers and stares them down and then hits a homer right after that that just shows he's got the league under control and can be you know a top five player in you know the next year or so potentially yeah joey i'm gonna have to disagree with your number 10 player i think that juan soto i think as entertaining as he is to watch i think that there are just so many players who are better. There are just so many players who just play have have had their have paid their dues and deserve to have that 10 spot or be higher if anything that are probably off the list. 
So I think that we really got to think about the fact that Juan Soto, newcomer onto the scene, yeah, he's a lot of flash. He's easy to remember. But there are guys who've been doing the dirty work for years, just getting better, working real hard, that just deserve this spot more than him. So I think that that's where yeah, I but they're all No, this is, this, is, this is the top 10 right now, not the top 10 in the past decade. This is the top 10 right now. We're not talking about Verlander, who's relatively old. Verlander about, is better than Juan Soto right now. If you were going to compare I the effectiveness. I wouldn't say that, the, though. I wouldn't say that. You, Juan right, Soto, the right. way the way he produces day in and day out is incredible, especially Joey, at 20, 21, year, 20, 21 years old. Joey, listen, he's not better than DeGrom. He's not better than Cole. All right, those are the top two pitchers in the league. Is he better than Arenado? Not a chance. Is he better than Lindor? No, he's not top ten. No. Like I can name, I named you everyone. All ten and of those people are the top surefire five. top ten. Yes, the yes. top five is obvious, but. Do you, do you think he was the best player on the Nationals last no, year? No, Rendon was better. I agree. All right. Uh, I love talking about Juan Soto, but we're going to move to number nine on Joey Glickman's top ten list. Alex Bregman, third baseman for the Houston Trash Can Bangin' Astros. Joey Spathis, what do you think? You're down in the Lone Star State. Alex Bregman, are we believing the hype at number nine? Yeah, I mean, what's not to like about Bregman? Uh, truly, honestly, probably a four-tool player. Um, great fielder with defensive versatility. I think you could put him at either spot on the left side of the infield. Uh, tremendous bat, uh, tremendous power, uh, 40 home runs this year. Led the league in walks, struck out um, under 90 times, under 85 times. He was just... Uh, up in the 420s for OBP, and that war shows at 9.1. I mean, wow. yeah, he was uh, – I think he was almost double the war of uh, Soto, depending where you look at it. I guess uh, ESPN has him as second in war behind Bellinger. But, yeah, unbelievable player. Definitely in the top ten for me. Albert, what do you think? I mean, Alex I think, Bregman, number nine. I think he's top five, realistically. Like, I hate the Astros, but I'm not going to ignore his stats. The guy still hit 41 homers last year, 112 RBIs. He's got an OPS over one on 1,000. Like, he he would have won MVP last year if Mike Trout didn't exist. It's not his fault he's in the AL. Like, he he's a top five player in baseball, realistically. I mean, depending on how how high you rate pitchers. To be honest, to be honest, I would have put him at top five, but. You know, with all this scandal going on, I would I moved him down to number nine. But he's still for his size. I feel like he's he's a stud. I mean, he's he's another superstar. He's he batted two ninety six last year, and he led the Astros in homers, RBIs, runs, OBP, slugging. I mean, pretty much every category for the Astros. And the Astros were in the World Series, so I feel like he's. Probably right where he should be at number nine. Well, here's the deal. So I'm going to pose another question as the resident Yankee fan. I'm very angry at this man. But I'm going to ask, does Alex Bregman's greatness get affected by what's happening? Can we excuse him from this? Can we do, can we, Just because his name hasn't come up as much connected to it, do we believe that Bregman's greatness is still on account of his skill? What are we thinking on that, well, I Joey? Spath, as you can go. Um, I mean, if you look at it, his home and away splits are still. I mean, if you look, he's hitting uh, better at 
better on the road than he was at home. 16 home runs on the road. This, uh, at home this year, 25 on the road. 378 at home, 315 on the road. So, I mean, obviously, it, it does a, puts an asterisk on the reputation, but, I mean, I still think he's a damn good player. Yeah, I think Albert. for right now, you, you can't bring him down because of the scandal. But, I mean, we'll, we'll be able to see. It's, it will be pretty obvious to us if, the, if it made that big of a difference for him. Yeah, it's not, it's, I don't think we should judge him now and like, like not uh, credit his stats, but I mean, it, it, it will be apparent to us in a couple of years. I, th- I think it's going to affect it oh, probably over the next three to five years, his reputation, because what he did, what the whole Astros team did is just obviously unacceptable. You, you can't, despicable. you, you, you can't, you cannot in any way, you know, you, you took the Yankees out of a title, uh, Zach. Um, yes, you did. But I, I feel like he's, he, his reputation is going to be affected a ton. And I feel like every, every player on that team, every coach on that team, the reputation when they're, when they, maybe if they leave the Astros, if one of the, if one of the coaches leaves the Astros, and he interviews a job. Oh, he he was he was coaching the Astros in 2017. You know he's got a bad reputation. He's not getting the job. I mean they're they're gonna have bad reputations in their whole career. And I feel like some of them are not gonna. I mean this is a hot take, but I feel like some of them are not gonna get in the Hall of Fame because of this. Well, like I, think, I don't think they should. I think cheating is cheating. I think cheating is cheating. Well, I think yeah. they're gonna. Uh, having a bad reputation is different than like just analyzing it from a skill perspective. Like, yeah, I don't I think Bregman, I, I don't respect him as a player that much anymore, but I, are we going to look at his stats and say, Oh, he hit 300 last year. Take away the sign stealing. He's going to hit 240. Like, no, you, you can't just say that. I, I don't, I'm obviously not going to like any you of these guys. Repl- you can't replace his his performance. Obviously Albert. you can't replace his performance, but do you think that because greatness when some, when you say that someone is great, I think you look at more than just statistics. I think that when you look at a, like a great player and you look at like you look at the mystique, you look at the titles, you look at a whole combination of things, not just like raw stats. So I think that when you're talking about greatness, I think you have to talk about reputation in there too, because there are a lot of guys who are really, really damn good throughout sports history who you don't see the legend status. You don't see that he's great. You don't like that, that, that word carries some weight. And I think that it goes, I think that when someone has greatness, you're, you, when you have greatness and you are someone like a Derek Jeter, you're someone like an Ernie Banks, someone like a, not a Barry Bonds, I was about to say Barry Bonds, Pete Rose, who should be in the Hall of Fame, who is great, someone whose reputation precedes them. I think that you have to look at it beyond stats. Well, there's, there's, uh, there's going to be situations like that, obviously, where Jeter, like the legend of Jeter is probably, has probably overrated his skill, to be honest, like just based off stats, if you just look, but so there's going to be situations like that where they're elevated by the fact that there's this legend. They play for the same team for however 20 years and make plays like the uh, the the uh, the relay that no one else would make. The, fl- the, the, flip, the flip, maybe the jump throw. Who knows? But the, uh, there's also going to be cases like Bregman where it's like, yeah, this guy cheated, but I mean, his stats are unbelievable and you, you just have to acknowledge both of them. I think Bregman goes down as great. I think Altuve goes down as great. Correa, no. Yeah. I agree. All right. Um, Joey Spathis, 
thank you for coming today. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having uh, thanks for having me on. Loved uh, being a part of this. Had some great debate. I think those were all great questions that we could have uh, gotten into a lot deeper, but we really just touched a lot of bases. So that's good. Can't wait to yeah, come back yeah. and uh, roll the dice soon. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, that is all that we have today at Roll the Dice. We hope everyone is staying safe, enjoying the nice weather, hoping that hoping that this maybe goes away soon. Everyone's enjoying time with their families. Uh, thank you, everyone, and see you next time on Roll the Dice.